When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast. This week, I'm joined by one of my favorite voices in the motherhood and mental well-being space, so much so that I have persuaded her back as a repeat podcast guest. Anna joins me on episode 82 to discuss the undiscussed emotions of motherhood. And if you are a mum or about to be a mum and you aren't following Anna Mathar on Instagram at Anna Mathar, you honestly need to. Anna is a psychotherapist and best-selling author. Her latest book is being released on August the 31st and is called Raising a Happier Mother, which is packed with more of Anna's words of wisdom and practical tools to help us on this wild ride of motherhood. So welcome, Anna, and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm very oh, grateful. Always. It's just lovely to talk to you. I love it because I spend so much time reading your words that it's then so lovely to actually talk to you face to face. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's on Zoom. I think we're so used to this now, aren't we? Just it Zoom. Is. It's, we're kind of used to it now. And it's, you know, it's got its benefits, but um, yeah, we can't quite give each other a hug, which is a shame. I know. I'd love one. I'd love one. <laughs> and how are you today? Yeah, you know what? I'm okay. I did a really fun photo shoot this morning for some press things. And it was so cool because they came to the house and the kids were just, they got this insight into a part of my work that normally they never see. And they were just absolutely intrigued. And yeah, at one point they were running around the garden in the background, kind of being probably going to be blurred into some picture, you know, and it was, it was just really fun. So yeah, we've had a really nice morning. I have my hair and makeup done, which feels like a bit of a treat. I don't normally look like this, don't have the videos on, but um, I feel like I should go out somewhere nice now. But well, I've got to clean the, the kitchen. Video, you've got to clean the kitchen. <laughs> Do it with the video on. All of yeah. the video repurpose of this episode is 100% going to be you because you look insane. And I look like, well, I look like I have just been dragged off two night shifts, which is exactly accurate. So it's it's all going to be you because you look <laughs> awesome. Um and I bet your, I oh, bet your you. children were literally looking at you like, go on, mum. So it was proud fun. of you. It was very sweet. Yeah. They're just like, are we going to be in, are we going to be in the paper? So <laughs> I don't think so. Cause I don't put them on my Instagram. So uh, the I don't think they were. Then. <laughs> a, a blurry little background, a, yeah. a smudge. <laughs> oh, I love it. They'll I be happy it. with that. 
Oh, Anna, I could honestly talk to you all day. So I'm going to jump straight in because I completely love how this new book of yours is kind of segmented into these six hurdles of motherhood, if you like. Mm. Um, And I can honestly say, I think I've experienced every single one of them at different stages. So I wonder if I can... And I guess, I guess like a fast question-ish round, um, kind of pick your brain and ask some of your top takeaways around each of these really tough and I think often quite taboo kind of motherhood emotions. Does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds great. I love that. And I'm going to then like take notes and listen back to this over, <laughs> the, over the coming years of my own journey. Uh, so guilt. I think this is probably one of the things that every mum or expectant mum finds themselves talking about daily. Yeah. There's so many reasons to feel guilty as a mum, aren't there? Even when you're pregnant, you're like, should I have eaten this? Should I eat that? Oh no, I've just woken up on my back. Should I be going here? Should I, is my bump the right size? Blah. There's just, it just goes on and on. And we often think that it's reflecting on how good a job we're doing. And then you have a baby and then there are a million other reasons to feel guilty. And it's just absolutely exhausting. And I think what I really encourage mums to do is not to let guilt just go and check not to just accept that guilt is just a part of motherhood because I think that's where I was at one point I was like right that's it I'm gonna have a life of guilt now endless things to feel guilty about but the issue with guilt is that it so quickly landslides into shame so what I mean here is it goes from oh I didn't really do a good job of that I just shouted at the kids that wasn't ideal to shame which is I'm a terrible mum I don't deserve my kids I you know just kind of beating ourselves up and I really encourage people when they feel guilt and this is like any kind of guilt at any point I've got a three-step technique that I devised because I was like there's got to be a way out of this I can't live like this anymore I think it was in the pandemic when there are another layer of reasons to feel guilty so I devised this three-step technique and it's called the act technique so the first step is address name it so we'll go with what should we go with? Let's think of an example. What have you felt guilty about recently, Pip? Um, I felt guilty one of yours. in the summer holidays and we have not done all of the things that I thought we were going okay. to do in the summer holidays. Okay. You haven't done all of the stuff. So we're going to address it. So imagine holding it in your hand, like we're going to name it. A, address, right. Pip feels guilty because it's the summer holidays and you haven't done all of the summer holiday kind of things that you imagine you would do and that everyone else seems to be doing. That's what is prompting your guilt. And then the next step is C, compassion. Like guilt needs compassion. Otherwise it will turn into shame. And then you'll think I'm failing my kids. I'm not a good mom. I've deprived my children. You know, all these kind of shaming statements that actually really start chipping away at our self-esteem and our confidence as a mom. So how can we introduce some compassion into this? And a good way to encourage yourself to do this is to think, how, how would I what would I say to a friend who was feeling guilty? So I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to say, well, Pip, you've got a lot going on. You're juggling work <laughs> because it's summer holidays are long. Let's have a little think about what did you do in the summer holidays when you were a child? Was it full of activities or were you just often just kind of pottering around at home? And let's remember, and you were probably happy. Like we just used to play in the woods. It was pretty simple. And actually kids are often just happy not having such structured routine and quite happy not having the pressure of, the nursery, you know, all of the the normal things of non-summer life. And actually, it's just a bit more restful. And it's kids need to learn independent play. They need to 
yeah, and often the stuff that they remember isn't the big events. It's the fact that they got to make mud pies in the garden and that's free. You know, sometimes I ask my kids what was good about today and it's not what I expect. It'll be like, oh, you read a book with me. We did let go. I'm like, well, what about the uh, trip into town to have ice cream and go and, you know. So I think just introduce some compassion to yourself. You're doing the best you can with the energy and the resources that you have. Might be financial, you know, as well. So let's introduce compassion because shame and compassion cannot exist together. So you will not feel shame if you can introduce that compassion. And then T is the final step and it's tweak. So I say that guilt is there to prompt you. It's not there to shame you. So if guilt, if that guilt is there to prompt you to do something, what might that be? What, what, what might it be? What might you tweak? So it might be Pip that in this situation where you think I haven't done all the things, maybe you just need to let that, that guilt go. Maybe that's the tweak. Maybe that's the thing you need to do is just, you know what? My expectations are just a little bit high considering our circumstances. Or it might be that your tweak is going to be, you're going to do one thing a week. You're going to plan one thing a week for a couple of hours where you go out and you do something different. So then you've, you've moved through that process. That guilt is no longer serving you anymore. You can let it go. Um, so that's what I say about guilt is don't let it shame you and start damaging your self-esteem and your confidence. Think about, is it justified? Should I really be feeling guilty about this? Would I want a friend to feel guilty about this? Because sometimes, and especially in pregnancy and early motherhood, I remember the guilt when my son had silent reflux and he just screamed all the time and the guilt that I felt and the shame, how I can't comfort him. I'm doing a terrible job. Actually, that wasn't my fault. That guilt wasn't mine to carry. I hadn't done anything wrong. So sometimes guilt is just, it's not justified and we just need to, that tweak needs to be that we just let it go. So that's my top tip for guilt is don't just let it sit there, work through it and then let it go. Oh, I love that. And literally, as you're going through it, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, of, of course, that's fine. What would I say yeah. to somebody else? I would be like, look what you've done. You've, you've been to Cyprus. Like, he doesn't, yeah. he's not even two. He doesn't know if he's playing at the park or at the zoo. <laughs> but we just put this pressure on ourselves, don't we? Yeah, we do. It's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard and it's really harsh. And I think sometimes we need to think back to little us, little girl us, and think, what would I expect of her? Where am I placing the bar? You know, where, where would I place the bar on my child what I expect of them is it actually too high am I setting myself up for guilt and often we yeah. are yeah that's so true and um, the next one Anna, that I wanted to talk about is one that I think is probably the most taboo emotion and that's around anger and irritability mm -hmm. in motherhood mm. and I definitely feel like this is the one that we are most worried about talking about yeah because if we think of what and a lot of the book is about this fantasy version of ourselves as a mother that we have, and I think often we think we're going to be really nurturing and loving and patient and kind. And actually, I'm not a particularly patient person, so I don't even know why I expected that of myself. But it was no, almost not me. <laughs> nor you, nor you either. But I don't know about you, but I kind of expected that when I carried my baby out of the maternity unit in the car seat, that I would leave half of the spectrum of human emotion in the delivery room. I would never feel angry or bored or resentful or lonely or any of those things because I should always feel grateful and joyful. And actually, in truth, we still feel all of the feelings. And I think anger and rage are often so conflicting to how we imagine 
we should feel as a mum. So this is why we kind of tend to really shame ourselves. But what really changed for me was when I started seeing anger and rage as a symptom of overwhelm, a symptom of actually just depletion, because if I'm getting mad at the kids and I'm just wandering around cross with life, I've just started thinking, wait a minute, what am I lacking here? What am I needing? What need am I overlooking? And there was a very pertinent moment in the pandemic where I uh, messaged my husband. He was upstairs and working and I was downstairs. And you know when you know you're going to blow? Like I was just like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I texted him and I said, you're going to have to come down. I'm going to, I'm going to blow. Anyway, he didn't see my message, did he? But he did hear me roar roar like a lion I was bent over this rage this kind of overwhelm just came out of me and I was so ashamed I was like how could I do that why am I so angry and I started looking on rage and irritability as overlooked emotion and unmet need and as soon as I did that it changed everything because it means that you can be more compassionate towards yourself. It means that you can look at this rage and this irritability. And instead of thinking, what is wrong with you? What kind of mother are you? You start thinking, what needs aren't being met here? I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. What do I need? I'm lonely. I need connection. I need a rest. I need a break. How the heck can I get that? Even if it's in a small way. So instead of just beating yourself up, when you feel that anger and that rage and that irritability, instead of beating yourself up, ask yourself, what emotions haven't I had validated? Is there a friend I need to rant to so she can say, you know what, that sounds absolutely savage. You are doing a great job in a hard situation. Maybe you need just to have an earlier night. (laughs) Maybe you need to ask for support somehow. These days I say, you know, I'm feeling really grumpy. I say to my husband, you've got to watch kids. I'm going out for a walk because I know that helps me. And he knows that helps me. So it's kind of becoming a little bit more collaborative with the support network you have around you. So see it as a pointer for unmet need and unexpressed, unvalidated emotion. And you're going to fare so much better. It's going to be less likely to build up and explode on a Wednesday afternoon whilst you're cooking pasta in the kitchen and you make everyone cry because they're so shocked at why is mommy screaming like that? (laughs) and actually the way that you've just addressed that really plays into that guilt element I think because when we feel angry we then feel guilty that we feel angry but actually if you address it in the way you've mentioned you kind of kill two birds with one stone in that aspect I guess and a bit more compassion and if you know if I look at my child and she's having a tantrum and I go what is wrong with you for goodness sake stop it you should be behaving better that's not going to help if I get down to a level and I think are you all right What do you need? What's frustrating you? I'm far more likely to help her restore a sense of calm by finding out what's going on, listening to her, trying to find a way to help meet a need or explain a sense of injustice that her little four-year-old head is feeling because her brother got something she didn't. So it's, you know, we need to, it's it's all about parenting ourselves, Pip, really, isn't it? Mm. Trying to be the kind, compassionate parent that we so want to be for our kids. We need to be that for ourselves. Yeah, and I think I'm probably feeling this the most, Anna, kind of we're almost two years into the, the parenting journey of our first. And what I've started to realise is to begin with, you're caring for them. And that has, I feel like, different demands and challenges than this slightly older age where you're having to actively parent them, where they've got these crazy emotions that then can really trigger your own emotions. And I feel like we're really crossing that at the moment and thinking, gosh, he's feeling that 
probably because we're feeling that and then we're feeding into his emotions more and it all yeah. gets a little bit spirally um so it really resonates what what you're talking about there and i know it will for others that have kind of probably crossed that that kind of parenting stage. I hadn't thought of that. You're absolutely right. When you go from kind of the caring, the mundane, the the monotony of the need meeting to actually having to be a bit more conscious about how you're yeah. responding to things. And yeah, you're so right. It's a different different challenge altogether, I think. You mentioned a little bit about compassion. I know that's another one of your kind of key elements in motherhood um talk to us about compassion and judgment because i think self-judgment is one of those things again that is so prominent in today's world because there are so many opportunities to judge ourselves Mm -hmm. in the world of you know social media etc yeah yeah so i think it's it's thinking how can i inject the humanness back into what i'm thinking and what i'm expecting of myself you know i used to have an apple watch don't know if you've got an apple watch but is that my uh, computer pinging or is it yours it might be my wait a minute. Let me see what's open. It's oh, a very it nice is. Ping. Um, it's my it's our nanny saying that she's coming back earlier than expected from the park because Florence needs a poo. I mean that I love that. There that we is go. Absolutely. Well, we'll it. log out of the WhatsApp on my laptop. That's not <laughs> helpful. Didn't realise that was going to be pinging along. Um, okay, so compassion, compassion, and judgment. Sometimes, yeah. So I had an Apple Watch and I absolutely loved it because I love all the stats and the numbers. But the, the issue with this watch is that every single day it said I had to take this many steps and I had to stand up this many times and I had to burn this many calories from movement. And the thing is, it never took into account how many times I've been woken up in the night, whether I had a cold, whether I was stressed, whether I was, you know, actually just sat down at the desk all day and that's what I needed to do, whether I was having a restful day and I didn't want to move my body as much as it said. And it was like, it it was this expectation without any acknowledgement for the total constant changing, ebbing and flowing of our human resources. And then my husband did the marathon, he got one of these Garmin watches, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. So I got one of these. And the good thing is about this is that every day it it monitors your sleep and how much restful sleep you're having in the day and at night. And it gives you a different target every single day, depending on what resources you have. And it's all about heart rate variability. It's absolutely fascinating to me because I'm a bit of a geek like that. But I often think you know, often we just set the bar at like this consistent state when actually there are so many elements of our lives that are totally and utterly out of our control. Sometimes we're emotionally exhausted. Sometimes we're physically exhausted. Sometimes we don't even realize, but we didn't get a certain amount of a certain type of sleep the night before. So we wake up, we're not as rested as we might have been the day before. So I think sometimes we just need to remember to inject some humanness into our expectations. We're not the same person every single day every single hour we're a different version of ourselves with different resources and I think where we often trip over ourselves is that we judge ourselves for not maybe being able to get as much done as we did yesterday or actually you know with that kid I was able to respond in that way and with that and we just judge ourselves as a response and yeah so just inject some humanness and and I think that's a way to incite compassion in ourselves is that we're doing hard stuff and that's why it's hard Mm, yeah it actually is really hard and it's okay that we find it really hard Mm. so so interesting I I love it and yeah I 
I like the idea that, you know, when we have our, our little people, how often have we said, oh, she's a bit tired today or, exactly. you know, he's a bit, he's a bit under the weather and we automatically reduce our expectations of them based on that, don't we? But we don't yeah. seem to do the same for ourselves. No. And I think we see a constant stream of people getting stuff done and doing good things and all these different kind of parenting quotes and these, you know, you should respond to this situation in this way and it's it's almost like we're fed a perfect we're fed an ideal but actually that's just an ideal and half of the people that you speak to that are professionals that are writing these books will quite openly say to you Dr Beck is one of them I listened to her and she was like I shouted at my kids this morning I'm using my own techniques right now because I'm dealing with a guilt and it's so freeing to realize that actually even the people writing these books and this sharing this information and sharing this research of this is an ideal way to parent can't do it all the time because we're not robots we're humans dealing with stuff inside and outside and we need to cut ourselves a bit of slack and I always think a perfect parent a doesn't exist but would not be helpful to prepare an imperfect child for an imperfect world it's not Mm. helpful I love that so so true and helps us lessen some of that harshness Mm. that we we put on ourselves and the next one you mentioned Anna which is one that I definitely found myself unexpectedly experiencing personally in the early kind of postnatal period and that's around that loneliness and disconnection and again I think it's one of those ones that you you often don't expect especially as a first-time mum when you see all like the glamour of new baby and all the things and all that time you're gonna have and and then suddenly you're sat there feeling immensely Mm. lonely which can be a shocker Yeah, we need, so the antidote to loneliness is connection. And it's not just the number of people we're around because we know that we can be in a room full of people we know and still feel lonely. Mm. Yeah, because actually what we're not getting is quality connection. We're not feeling seen. We're not feeling heard. And I think there can be a lot of shame around loneliness as well. There can be a lot of guilt. How dare I feel lonely when I've got this beautiful baby and I'm making these new friends, but a baby cannot and a child and my kids, even though they're a little bit older, they cannot give me the validation and they cannot listen to me rant and validate my feelings and my struggles and my challenges in a way that a good friend could. Mm. So I think if you're feeling lonely, know that your kid's not going to meet a need and that's not that's just that's just the way it is but just make sure that you're reaching out to people and don't just think well I go to sensory class and there are loads of people there and some are mates it's the quality of connection that you have it's going beyond the I'm okay in the top level which can feel really hard and really scary and one way that I I do that these days now I've grown in so much confidence over the years is to just go into a situation and go to the first person I recognize or who looks nice and I did this at an event the other day and I went up to them and I was like oh my gosh I find it so hard walking in here. I've just got this like, so like, so, I just feel really socially anxious. And they turned to me and they were like, oh my gosh, me too. And instantly we both felt like we saw each other. We got each other and we felt like we weren't alone. So I think sometimes it is just going beyond the I'm okay, which can feel really risky because that person might have turned around and gone, oh, oh really? Oh. And, and not said anything helpful at all. But it's validating your own experiences and and going towards those who have historically been kind and supportive and nurturing those relationships and making sure that you are connecting with people and you're feeling seen and heard because that's what we need. We really need that. And motherhood can feel quite lonely. There's a lot of stuff that you do at home behind closed doors that feels quite relentless. So make, make a date 
to talk on the phone to a friend. Sometimes I have to put it in in the following week. And it seems so silly being like, can you talk at 9am on Wednesday? And we both go out for a walk in our separate towns and we talk on the phone. And sometimes we need to do that because I think we so often assume that those chats will just happen, but they don't necessarily because we get interrupted and it's just chaos, isn't it? So yeah, we have to be intentional. And that, that really helps with the loneliness. Online, offline, if you find it hard to talk to people, head online, find a forum, find a group, find a, a Facebook group with people the same kids your age and start just developing a little bit of openness and honesty and maybe that confidence in the kind responses that you get will then start giving you the guts to kind of start some, having some of these conversations face-to-face with people. Oh yeah, I love that. And it's hard, isn't it? Because your life does change so much, you know, things that you've done before perhaps aren't possible or aren't so achievable, yeah. but trying to, like you say, trying to schedule those little elements, trying to still keep that, that bit of connection and in a, perhaps in a really different way, but yeah. still having the presence of it is, is a game changer. And do it with different people as well, because I think sometimes there's a bit of a grief that comes with having a baby and that some of your friendships that used to be really, really close, they don't actually kind of get it. And, and that can be sad. And that, can mean that relationships feel a little bit different and sometimes yeah it takes stepping out of our comfort zone a really good tip is to go to the same places at the same time each week whether it's the park or a certain group so that even if you feel a bit socially anxious and you find it hard to start conversation over time those people will become more familiar and you're more likely just to end up chatting to them um so that's a good tip yeah, that's, that is a really good, I think the more that we talk about it as well, the less alone we feel, because we recognize that everyone's feeling the same thing as us, which is insane. So um, fear and anxiety, again, you know, so prominent in, I guess, in the pregnancy period, as well as, as the postnatal period, how can we help to prepare and manage these? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's often the negative scenarios, isn't it? The things that we worry about. And I think with, the internet, we have access to so much information. We hear stories that we wouldn't have otherwise encountered that can kind of get under our skin and we can find ourselves writing ourselves into someone else's story. You know, I, my sister um, sadly died of cancer when I was young. And now whenever I see a, a story or someone sharing something on Instagram of anything similar, suddenly I'm like whipping myself into that story, imagining it's my children. And what happens then is that we start feeling physically some of that grief and that heartache because our bodies don't know whether it's actually real or if it's imagined or if it's someone else's story. So if unchecked, fear and anxiety can really, really rob us of headspace and presence because we know if we're sitting on the sofa and we've got a beautiful pregnant bump there and we're suddenly thinking, oh my gosh, have I felt not felt a movement for a while? Oh my gosh. And then suddenly we can spiral, can't we? And yeah. we're sat on the sofa next to a friend or a partner and we look like everything's fine. But in our head, we are, we're somewhere else. We're off into a future where there's tragedy and scary things happening. And I think just getting some tools for that so that you are not being robbed because when I'm feeling anxious, I can't be present with my kids. Mm. You know, I'm not looking at them thinking, I love you. I've got, I talk about two types of hugs. The first type of hug that I can give someone I love or my kid where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for you. You're just amazing. I want to eat you. And the second one, which is more white knuckled of like, oh my gosh, I'm absolutely terrified because mm. love feels incredibly vulnerable, doesn't it? Mm. Because the more we love, the more risk there is. And I think I found at points 
almost just wishing I didn't love anyone because it feels safer that way. But actually, we know that it's these relationships and the love that we have with our babies and our children. And that's what makes life rich. So we need to make sure that we're not robbed by anxiety. And some of my favorite tools are if you find yourself going off down that road, worst case scenario, is to count back from 103s because it's really hard to tell a whole horrible story whilst doing that. Um, and that's that halts the rumination. And then using all of the amazing kind of the birthing breath that that a lot of these listeners will 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 know very, very well, the extended exhale just to say you're essentially saying to your body it's okay you're safe it's okay you're safe so how can you mother yourself through those moments anxiety we need anxiety it's a life-saving thing um it gives us the ability to fight or flight but when we're sat on the sofa we don't really need to be doing that it just can kick off and those tools can be really useful so i say to people if anxiety is robbing you in any way you deserve to get support don't just accept it as part of motherhood it doesn't need to rob you mm, i love that and actually just listening to how you discuss some of the other kind of feelings and emotions that we've talked about they are so interlinked aren't they and i wonder if you start addressing some of those others actually how much of a positive impact that would then have on feelings of anxiety once you get rid of you know that guilt you understand why you're feeling angry you provide yourself that compassion and that connection actually a lot of that anxiety will probably kind of get washed away absolutely absolutely I often say that anxiety is a bit of an umbrella sometimes for or like other emotions so sometimes I encourage people to think what do I I feel anxious that's a very familiar feeling what else might I actually be feeling? If anxiety is fear-based, what am I scared of? How am I feeling unsafe right now? What other emotions might I be feeling? What needs might not be being met? And it's really hard to rationalize these thoughts when actually we're tired and we're really pregnant and we're not sleeping great. We've got a baby that's waking us up in the night. So go go gently on yourself because, yeah, it takes a lot to rationalize these thoughts sometimes. And sometimes we need someone else to rationalize them for us and say, it's okay. It's yeah. all right. Sometimes yeah. we need that from someone else. Definitely. When you're in your own head, sometimes it's really hard to get, get out of it, isn't it? Having that mm. other influence can be so helpful. And then the last one, Anna, that I want to pick your brains on, and I know on our previous episode, so anyone that's listening and wants more of this, it's episode 82, we discuss a little bit more about these two emotions that I think in today's world are everywhere, and that is overwhelm and exhaustion. And mm. I don't think I've met a new mum yet, Anna, I don't know if you have, that hasn't battled with this kind of conflicting overwhelm, exhaustion, burnout mm. at some point in their journey. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would say is value rest. I think often we feel like we need to earn rest. We feel like rest is something that we do at the end of the day, once everything is done. And we always know that there's always stuff to be done. We feel like we have to feel like we deserve rest. So if I'm going to, there have been times in the past where I've been sat on the sofa, my husband's walked in and I've literally catapulted off because I'm like so embarrassed to be caught sitting down. And that, I'm just like, that is a problem. I need to embrace rest. Rest is the antidote to burnout. It's not a treat. It's not something we need to earn. It's something we need to integrate into our lives as acknowledgement of meeting a very basic need. And all of those other feelings we've spoken about, anxiety and you know the, that kind of perfectionism and the pressure that we put on ourselves so often, rest is the antidote to all of that because how can we see clearly how can we 
address irritability. Often if we're burnt out, we, we can't be our good selves, can we? We can't think clearly. I'm not going to think, oh, what was that really helpful resource I read about how to respond in this situation that my kid's doing right now? When I'm exhausted, it's not there. I'm in fight or flight. I'm in survival mode. So value rest, seek it in a small way, some ways that I give because loads of mums will be like, Anna, you don't see my diary. You haven't met my kids. There's absolutely no chance. Number one, where, where are your expectations? Where are you placing them? What are you doing that actually you can just cut a corner? What are you doing that actually do you need to do it that well? Do you need to do it for that long? You know, how can you make life easier for yourself so that you're taking some of the pressure off? Because some of the burnout we have is quite self-inflicted. It's perfectionism. It's people pleasing. It's saying yes to things. It's giving ourselves away so that we've got nothing left and we need something left. We deserve, oh, just uh, knock my mic. We deserve rest and it shouldn't be a treat and get your kids used to seeing you rest i will sit on the sofa current thing favorite thing is crossword even though i've only ever completed one it's a really small one and the kids will say oh can i have another snack and i'll say just in a minute mom is just having a rest i need them to see me rest i need them so that in the future they're not having to unpick the fact that mummy never sat down so therefore that's what a good mum is that's what a good loving parent is and that's what I used to think love was it was sacrifice total sacrifice and now valuing rest and the things that fill us up whatever that may be I often say self-care isn't about what it is it's about what it gives you it it gives you more of yourself and that's absolutely important and I think so often we love seeing our kids happy we love seeing them playing we love seeing them be themselves that brings us great joy but nothing that is nothing compared to the absolute power of your child seeing the sparkle in your eyes, seeing your laughter, seeing you do the things that make you happy because that makes them feel safe. It makes mm. them feel safe. When I am burnt out and depleted, I am ratty. I am resentful. I can be resentful of my husband sitting on the train for an hour on the way to work. I'm like, look at you getting your time. And actually, if I find ways to get that for myself, even slowing down, talking slower, moving slower how often are we racing around our own home you know running up the stairs why yeah. why what are you gaining you're going to get there half a second earlier what are you telling your nervous system you're telling your nervous system that you're under threat and you've got to run so we're putting ourselves often in this stress physiological stress mode when actually we do not need to do sit down stick your legs up the wall just don't overlook small opportunities to rest even if it's just a minute it's worth it. We wouldn't say if our phone was on like low to no battery, we wouldn't be like, I'm not going to charge it for five minutes before I leave the house. What's the point? We'd stick it on the charger for five minutes because it might give us enough juice to use the sat nav. You know, so just imagine plugging yourself into a wall like a phone charger because you are giving yourself something which probably down the line, you're probably going to be given to one of the kids. But yeah, take it all. Take it all. <laughs> That's such a good acronym, thinking about it in terms of a phone charger. Like literally mm -hmm. that five minutes is the difference between yes. that car journey being a nightmare or it going really smoothly. And, so and I think it makes it feel more manageable, doesn't it? When you are a busy person actually thinking, I'm going to take five minutes here. I'm going to take five minutes there. And we are such powerful role models to our children. And like you say, we don't want them to go on in this generation of, burnout and exhaustion overwhelm and the change has to start with us doesn't it as their role models so uh, I think that takes away often that idea that rest is almost 
lazy and you should be doing something and then that triggers guilt and we end up in mm-hmm. this horrible cycle again yeah. but actually taking it away and thinking I'm doing rest for the benefit of my children seeing me rest and their future well-being can kind of help us make it more achievable yeah and for us as well because we're we like ourselves more when we're rested and just thinking about what you're doing when you're sitting down because I think many of us scroll on our phones and going back to my Garmin watch which I'm a little bit obsessed with because the other day I I was scrolling on my phone and I looked at it and my watch showed that I was in mild stress yeah and I thought this is fascinating I'm just lying on the sofa and I'm in mild stress and the reason for that is we're seeing all these images come by I've seen these stories we don't know what we're going to get next what we're going to process our brain has to process all of this stuff as we're scrolling we're actually exhausting ourselves because our brain's got to chew through that like a big heavy Sunday lunch so I thought right I'm gonna I'm gonna get my book and I'm gonna do that for 10 minutes and see what happens and my watch showed that I was in a rest state wow And it was absolutely fascinating. So even when you have those five minutes, just think what, how can you get the most out of this for yourself? Have you got a book? Have you got a magazine that you could flick through? Because there's something about the overwhelming input of scrolling on your phone is the quickest, closest thing normally. Actually, we don't realize that we're just kind of adding to that sense of like exhaustion and burnout in the, in where we're going when we're tired. You know, we go to the busiest place in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the social media where I'm going to be bombarded with stuff that's probably going to make me feel guilty and angry and and compare and all of that awful stuff we're trying to trying to escape during our rest. Um, that watch watch sounds absolutely fascinating. I'm not selling it, by the way. I I just I just find it so interesting, and it's just made me value rest and sleep so much more. So another thing I've really recommend people do is if if they are someone who drinks in the evening, just even if it's just a GNT or whatever it is, we can think that we're just, it's a little treat that we're winding ourselves down, but actually it's putting our nervous system under a state of stress and it's impacting our sleep quality. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and burnt out, you want to make the most of that sleep. Even if you're getting woke up, you want to make the most of the, the time on the sofa, the time in bed as you can. So sometimes we don't realize we're actually doing things that work against it and rob us of that delicious opportunity to rest so just be mindful of what you're doing when you have that opportunity because it all helps Mm. oh Anna I could literally talk to you (laughs) forever same Um, for for those people listening that are like oh my goodness I need more of Anna's wisdom I need more of listening to her in my life where can they find you oh thanks Pip so I'm on uh, Instagram Anna Martha and then I've got a podcast called The Therapy Edit and it's just like 10 minutes long on a Monday and 20 minutes long with a guest on a Friday I've got loads of courses and books on postnatal anxiety and people pleasing and stuff like that so if you go to the Instagram basically you'll You'll find it all there. Find all of you. Thank you so much. And of course, Anna's amazing new book is linked in the episode description. So you can find that there Thank too. You. Thank you so much, Anna, for your Thanks time for having me. today. Thanks for having me back. It's been lovely to chat with you. Before you head off, I just need to tell you something. 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button. So can you do me a favor? If you have ever enjoyed listening, and hit subscribe now. It makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests, and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing, and I look forward to chatting again soon.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.